Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. John chapter 1, verse 35 says, The next day John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following, and he asked, what do you want? What do you want? These are the first words. You can take me down in the monitor, Jojo. Thank you. These are the first words out of uh, Jesus' mouth in the Gospel of John. It's a question. The question is, what do you want? What do you want? Can you imagine God asking you, what do you want? And uh, their, their answer is, uh, show us where you're staying. I guess they were kind of caught off guard by Jesus' question. If Jesus ever shows up to you and says, what do you want? You better have a better answer prepared than show me where you're staying. <laughs> I, w- I wonder what it is that, that you want. What, what's your answer to that question? Um, and, and is your answer large enough? Does it, does it resemble faith? I can tell you what I want for us. I want us to be a church of the most wonderful Christians in the country. That's what I want for us. And I don't say that in any kind of, it's not about comparison. I'm not saying like better than other. I just, I just know who, who God has called me to. I know the, the people and the place that God has called me to. And what I know that I want for us is to be a church filled with just the most joyful, wonderful, for lack of a better word, impressive Christians in, in the country. I want us to grow and mature and bear fruit and, and to be everything that Pastor Dylan just prayed for, to be those people that truly are looked upon with wonder and awe and questions about how do I get what it is that they have. I want to be a light in the world. I want to be a city on the hill. I want to be the salt of the earth. I want the vision of Jesus Christ for his bride to come to fruition in this people. If Jesus was bold enough to say, this is who my people are, then I want to be bold enough to say, we're going to be those kinds of people. That's what I want for our church. I want to fulfill the desire of Jesus for a church to be beautiful and brilliant. What I want is I want the glory of Christ. I want the beauty of the bride and I want the salvation of the city. I want the glory of Christ. I want the beauty of the bride and I want the salvation of the city. And as far as I can tell, that's exactly what God himself wants. And so the way that we get there, and like I said, I come to you tonight really just as a reminder, the way that we get there. Is not with new, it's not with novel. The way that we get there is with faithful. You want to be radical? You want to be a radical Christian? Be a faithful Christian. Be a consistent Christian. I'm reading this book right now. One of the things that I learned is that the best way to define holy in the Old Testament is devoted. God is holy because he is devoted to his covenant people. And when he calls them to be holy, he's saying, be devoted to me as I am devoted to you. So in the New Testament, when Jesus says, be holy or be perfect as your father is holy, he's saying, be devoted as your father is devoted. Let's be faithful. And then Jesus will bring the breakthroughs. I believe that we are going to have days where we will smile from ear to ear. You know those like goofy smiles? 
Like when someone smiles and it's all, you know when your ears start to hurt because you can't stop smiling? I believe that we're going to have seasons, Ali, where we're going to have hurting ears because of how much we smile over the harvest of the Lord Jesus in this church and in our city. Not because we were new or novel, but because we were ancient and faithful. We're going to reap a harvest because we're going to be those believers who, A, refuse to quit and who, B, stay committed to getting better. That's our MO. We're just not going to give up and we're just going to stay committed to getting better. That's what we're about. I was in uh, Dallas this week, and do you guys remember that story I told you? I think I told it a couple of times over the course of the last year because it's such a great story of that Anglican priest who has the barbecue business, and he fed the, uh, the people that were in need, and the barbecue got multiplied. His name is Father David, and I've been preaching at this conference in Dallas for the last three years, and uh, actually, he has been doing their noon hour communion service for this conference for the last three years as uh, well. Um, and he was back again this year for the conference, and he was doing the noon hour communion service on Monday or Tuesday, and he shared this amazing story, and I came up to him right after. I was like, bro, I got so much preaching time out of the barbecue story, and you just got, got me a whole nother year's worth of preaching out of this new story. <laughs> he was telling the story about, uh, he was a, uh, a priest in um, uh, the UK, in London, for about a decade, and while he was there, he was at an event one day, and during the, the, kind of the coffee break time of the event, he walked up to the coffee table and he saw a couple that were standing there by the coffee table. And he introduced himself and asked them, you know, what it is that they do. And he said, well, we're missionaries in Thailand. And he said, well, tell me about that. And they said, you know, for 15 years, we thought that we were complete failures. I mean, absolute, total just, just a bust of a, of a mission, our, our time in Thailand, for 15 years. Not one salvation, not one convert, nobody coming to Christ, and, and incredibly low interest in the church that they had planted in this village in, in Thailand by the coast. Until one day, at Christmas time, God gave them this idea to invite the entire village up onto this nearby mountain to have, get this, to have a Christmas sleepover on the mountain. <laughs> what a goofy idea. <laughs> Could you imagine inviting someone to a Christmas sleepover? On a, hey, let's go climb a mountain and have a sleepover. It's like, what kind of church is this? They, had, they hadn't had any salvation, but they had built relational equity. And so all of the villagers agreed to, okay, we're going to go up on this mountain. We're going to have this, uh, this Christmas sleepover. <laughs> they have a great time. They're just hanging out. The next morning, one of the most catastrophic tsunamis to ever hit the coast of Thailand. I told you I was going to get preaching time out of the story. <laughs> One of the most catastrophic tsunamis in the history of Thailand hits the coast where their village is. They come down the mountain. The entire village is wiped out and destroyed. But because of the Christmas sleepover, not a soul, not a life in the village 
was lost. And that day, the entire village gave their lives to Christ. Fifteen years, nothing. One moment of God's providence. The whole vision fulfilled. Pretty amazing what faithfulness can yield in terms of outcomes and results. I want to call us again to be the same thing that I called us to be at our conference. I want to be a church of disciples. I want to be a church of worshipers. I want to be a church of intercessors. And I want us to be faithful in these areas. To be committed and devoted to just doing the things that Jesus calls us to do, even if it means doing them for 15 years and we stay the same as we are, but on the 16th year, the whole city gets saved. Just to be faithful and devoted. Let's talk about being a church of disciples just briefly. Jesus gives a commission to the remaining 11 and whoever else was on the mountain that day. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. And it's, it's important that we understand that the significance of Jesus' commission. The commission is not just to go and make converts or, or just to make believers. The, the commission is to go and to make disciples. People who, who obey the teaching of the master whose lives, just like Pastor Dylan was praying, whose lives are totally surrendered. And that's the kind of church that I want us to be, to, to be a people who are totally surrendered to Jesus. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a definition that I think is kind of cool for discipleship. Discipleship is entering into the joy of your master. Discipleship is entering into the joy of your master. If we're not careful, we might think about discipleship as a grind, we might think about it as just really hard work. I mean, discipline is like the root of disciple or discipleship. And so we think, well, it's just putting our, our nose to the grindstone. But no, discipleship is entering into the joy of Jesus. It's entering into his joy of, of becoming more like him, of growing in, in bearing his image. And that is a joyful process. Is it a costly process? Absolutely, but it's a joyful one. It's a, it's a joyful process to become more like the master whom we follow. I want to see discipleship grow this year in 2024 for our church in a number of concrete ways that, that I'm thinking about it that I'll share more about in, uh, throughout the, this quarter, throughout Q1. Uh, but just to kind of give you a, a few thoughts for you to consider, even when it comes to you making disciples, because a lot of times when we think about making disciples, we think about, okay, that's, that's what the entity of the church is doing in, in my life, and, and so we're participating in the programs and, and the things that come along with that, and certainly discipleship is a programmatic endeavor. I'm absolutely convinced about that. Jesus essentially called the 12 into a three-year program, and, and so discipleship is absolutely programmatic, but when it, 
When it comes to us being mobilized to go into all the world and make disciples, that is a calling for every single one of us. It's, it's not just something we do as an entity with the right programs. It's something that we do as disciples in, in the world. I heard this, this great statement this week. The statement was that if you're committed to making someone a disciple, you've got an 11 out of 12 chance that they're going to become a believer. If you're, if, you're, you, if you're committed to helping someone to become a disciple of Jesus, a lot of the time, that's going to end in their salvation. Because the kingdom is that attractive. The kingdom is that good. And so if, if you're feeling at a loss for, hey, how do I actually have an impact in my job? Or maybe my family, those of you who came down burdened for your parents, or Whatever your context is, a lot of it's going to be in our workplace. And God pl- places us in our workplace to be a light unto those people. And a lot of the people that you're surrounded by, they, they don't know the Lord. And so you're thinking, well, how do, I, how do I do that? And a lot of the way that we think about it is, how do I get them to believe? But before Jesus got the 12 to believe, he just discipled them. He spent three years with them teaching them about the kingdom of God. Yeah, but before Peter could explain to you justification by faith, he could tell you from he could tell you Jesus's words from the from the Sermon on the Mount. You understand what I'm saying? So it's it's teaching people a better way of living. I'm going to kick off a series at the end of this month. We're going to call it Flourishing. I'm going to walk us through the Sermon on the Mount uh, and show us how Jesus calls us to a life of flourishing, a life of joy, a life of happiness, and and fulfillment, and. If, if you and I have the mentality in our, in our context, and there's more in you than you know. There's more wisdom in you than you realize. And if you would, if, hey, if you would just slow down and spend time and sit down with the people that are unsaved in your life and begin to disciple them, ask them questions about how they're doing, what challenges they're facing, and then just begin to give them the kingdom, just give them the ethics of Jesus. Hey, have you thought about approaching this crisis or this, uh, this challenge that you're facing or this tension that you're in relationally? Have you thought about approaching it this way? I haven't thought about that. What would that look like? And just engage in those conversations. Turn them into a disciple of Christ. And eventually that's going to lead them to Christ. That's how we're going to see this city saved. It's thus engaging in, in making disciples. I can say a lot more about it. Um, we'll have to save it for another time. I want to be a church of worshipers. Actually, let me go back because this is important. I'll, just, I'll say a couple more things. Uh, one of the ways, going back to the idea of discipleship being a programmatic endeavor, uh, one of the shifts that we're going to make this year is we, we need to make sure that when we're bringing people into our church, we're not just baptizing them into a crash course that shows them uh, a little bit about our vision, values, and culture. In other words, the, the way that we bring people into becoming members of our church can't just be a crash course in terms of like, uh, here's what it looks like to be a part of the, the team. Here's what it looks like to belong to C3. What we've got to do a better job at, and this is a part of discipleship, is from the beginning we've got to teach people, here's what it looks like to be a Christian. 
So, right, I'm thinking of next steps, right? And I know I'm talking real nuts and bolts right now, but I, I don't know, maybe you guys are interested in these kinds of things. Um, right now, our, our next steps is two weeks. I think it's like 20, 30 minutes per week. And so over the course of two weeks, you're getting 50 to 60 minutes of crash course in, in our church culture. And then, cool, welcome to the team, right? And I think that's not producing the, the depth of discipleship from the get-go that we want in our church. So, so the reason I'm just telling you about things like that is we're going we're gonna to see some deepening in our programs this year and uh, some, uh, some, some more layer to it to make sure that people are beginning the journey with us, knowing what it means to be a Christian and having a fuller understanding about what it means to be a part of this house. The vision, values, and culture is really important. I'm not saying that needs to go away. I'm saying we need to expand. We need to broaden. We need to deepen and equip people more fully in terms of what does it look like to follow Jesus together in the city of Los Angeles. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is all about, this is all a part of discipleship. We can sit here all day long and say, hey, we want to get better at discipleship. But if we don't make practical changes to, to the way that we show up to work, or if we don't make practical changes to the way that we think about what does it look like to join our church, then we're not going to get better at discipleship. We're just going to talk about it and not actually see any fruit from it. You understand? Okay, cool. I'll move on from that. A church of worshipers. Um, worship is the fulfillment of your life's purpose. It's, it's what we were made to do, to worship the king. And I am after an atmosphere as a church. And so I belabor the point every opportunity I have to make us into a church of worshipers. And our, 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 lung, our spiritual lung capacity needs to keep growing. And, and not just when the core of the church is in the room together on a first Wednesday, but on a Sunday morning when you got a lot more newcomers and guests and visitors and people checking it out, our, our devotion to worship needs to remain high. I'm cool with being seeker aware. I'm not so interested in being seeker sensitive. Seeker aware is seeker aware is we do this stuff and we explain it to them so that they can participate in it or so they can understand what it is that we're doing. Seeker sensitive is we don't do it because we don't want to freak them out. I'm not interested in that. Now, all according to biblical order. You guys know me, I'm a Bible guy. But what I'm saying though is we're going to worship passionately regardless of who's watching. Because worship is our vocation, it's our calling, it's what, we were, it's what we were born again to do, is to worship God. And God is attracted to an atmosphere of praise and worship. And I'm interested in God getting in the room. Right? If I'm more interested in keeping them in the room so that they feel comfortable all the time and not so interested in getting God in the room, then they're going to feel comfortable, but they're not going to be transformed. I want them to be transformed, so I want to have the kind of culture and atmosphere that attracts the presence of God, so that regardless of whether they're comfortable or not, they're going to meet him and their life is going to be changed. We are a church of worshipers. Amen. The reason I opened up with reading that hymn uh, today uh, was because I heard this story this week. Uh, the guy who pastors uh, the church in, in Dallas, his name is Joe Martin. And uh, he, he knew a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. Do you guys know who Leonard Ravenhill is? I mean, he's an old preacher. And uh, he used to talk about how he would, you know, go into a, a meeting, a gathering with Leonard Ravenhill. 
who um, was leading the gathering. And Leonard Ravenhill would say, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to start with worship. Let's all come down the front. We're going to begin worshiping. Not an instrument. Not a singer in the room. And he would just pull out a paper with lyrics to a hymn. And he would just read the lyrics. And as he read the lyrics, he would begin to break down and weep because of the, the content of the truth that he was reading. That's how much worship lived in his heart. He didn't even need the melody or the music. It was just the truth proclaimed through the songs, through the words of the song. That's the, the depth of worship that I'm looking for us to have as a church. It doesn't, doesn't matter what the style is in the moment. It's are we worshiping? Because that attracts the presence of God and that's what changes lives. Third and finally, and I'm out of time, so I'll be quick, is a church of intercessors. And by the way, there's, a, there's other things that I could share tonight. I'm not saying that these three things are it for the year. Although, I will say that I think my word for this year is restraint. Or focus. Something along those lines. This year, we're going to do less. Okay, so when, when you come to me and you say, hey, what about this ministry or what about this event? It's all, it's all well and good, but this year is restraint. We're going to do less so that we can do more. So, like, there's not a lot more than this. There's a little bit more than this that I'll share, but this is the meat and potatoes, friends and family. Because if we are a church of disciples, worshipers, and intercessors, that's a lot that God can work with for, for revival to come to pass. So, and we're going to be really intentional about it. Okay, I'm not just saying it. There's, things are going to come along with it. Okay, so a church of intercessors. Um, prayer is, is the room where we have fellowship with and receive empowerment from the Father. All of the kingdom fruit that we want to see is in the seed of prayer. All of it. And if we don't pray, we will not see the harvest. Last year, you guys remember, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at a small seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky called Asbury. And it started because a small handful of students stayed back in the auditorium after the chapel service was over because they just had a sense that we should pray. And so they stayed back and they just prayed. Didn't tell anybody. Within hours... The auditorium was filled with over a thousand people who came back into the room and joined them in prayer and worship and repentance. And for weeks, day and night, 24 7, for weeks, thousands and thousands and thousands of people flew into Wilmore, Kentucky. Have you been to Wilmore, Kentucky? Okay, that's not fair. That's not fair. You knew that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Who loves the duets? Aren't they the best people on the planet? We love them. Okay, 99.9% .9 of us have not been to Wilmore, Kentucky. The point is there's not very many reasons to go to Wilmore, Kentucky, unless you're in Asbury Seminary. But tens of thousands of people are flying into Wilmore, Kentucky to be a part of this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, just to pray, to worship, to repent, and it was birthed through the seed of prayer from just a small handful of students. Everything we want to see. So here's the deal. 
Right now we're praying weekly. By the end of this year, I don't have the timeline mapped out. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But what I do know is that we're going to pray more. Weekly prayer is the baseline. If, if my vision were, come, were to come to pass and I, and I have it somewhat right, then it would almost be daily opportunities for us to gather together in corporate prayer. I don't want a prayer meeting. I want a prayer room for the church to pray in Highland Park, in South Bay, in Nashville. I want a church that prays because it's only when we gather together in prayer that we ourselves have fellowship with the Father. Almost all the prayer that you see in the book of Acts is corporate prayer. The personal prayer is obviously important, but, but corporate prayer is the feature. In any and every circumstance, when things were good, the church was birthed out of a prayer meeting for 10 days. The disciples came to Jesus in Acts chapter one and said, will you now at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Is, is now the time for the exciting stuff, Jesus? And Jesus says, not for you to know the times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now how's about a 10-day prayer meeting in the city of Jerusalem while you wait? See, a lot of people want the revival, but they don't want the 10-day prayer meeting. They want the revival, but they don't want the 7 a.m. prayer meeting. They want the best facility, but they don't want to tithe. They want to be discipled, but they don't want to submit to the teaching of the disciple maker. They want salvation, but they don't want to give up their life. So, so we must pray. That was the mark. When, when God came to Ananias, I promise I'm done. When God came to someone come play the keys. When God came to Ananias. <laughs> when, when God came to Ananias and, and said, I want you to go and find Saul of Tarsus and, uh, and lay hands on him because I've got a plan for him. Ananias said, Lord, um, he's, he's here in my city because he was looking to, to kill people like me who believe in you. And, and Jesus said to Ananias, um, no, 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 I want you to go lay hands on, on Saul. And, and here was Jesus's mark of authenticity for Saul of Tarsus. He said, behold, he prays. Not behold, he stands in the city streets and preaches. Not behold, he sings. Behold, he prays. It's almost like the, the mark of our devotion is in our willingness to give ourselves to prayer. The fastest thing to drop to the bottom of our priority lists is always prayer. The first meeting on the chopping block when the church schedule gets too busy is always the prayer meeting. Because it's so easy to lose sight of the impact and the power that prayer has. If anything looks weak on the surface, it's prayer. Standing in a room and talking out loud, what could be powerful about that? And yet God has ordained it to be the vehicle through which he brings his kingdom into the earth. We will be a church of intercessors. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.